Bill Michaels Show. We are back. Happy Monday, everybody. 877-867-1670. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills. In for Bill today. He seems to be uh, enjoying the beach out in Florida. If you follow him on the social feeds, a lot of, a lot of content being thrown up there. Uh, 877-867-1670. So the Bucks lose game three to the Heat on Saturday. Again, they, they trail two to one. The breaking news of the day, or at least the breaking news to start the day, you figure more news will be coming out, is that Giannis is set to play tonight. Giannis is set to return after the back contusion suffered in game one. The Bucks went, I guess, one and two without him, counting the first game. It went down in the first quarter. Grant, I, I think the question I want to... I want to start with here as we expand upon the Bucks, both going into tonight and going into the rest of the playoffs is are, are the Bucks in trouble? Generally speaking, and that could mean, are they in trouble against the heat, which I don't necessarily think so unless they lose tonight. And then obviously game away from elimination, they will be, but are the Bucks in trouble going deep in the playoffs? Has, has your outlook on what they can achieve or, or what they should achieve changed based on the fact that two out of the three games they played in the playoffs have been utter duds and, and somewhat embarrassing performances? Well, yes. Long answer short. Because even if Giannis is coming back, and even if the Heat have shot really well and they played better than expected, they're still down 2-1. to one. And I get it's a seven-game series, but if the Heat come out and shoot 80% tonight because God smiles on the Miami Heat and not the Bucks, right? Like, now you're down 3-1, and the series is effectively over, even with two of the next three games in Miami. So I, I get it. I, I think the most likely outcome is the Bucks probably win in six or seven. But when you fall behind two to nothing, and now you got to play in Miami again, like, yeah, you're in danger of losing the series, which, as the one-seeded Bucks, the title favorites with a small window with the best player in the world, yeah, you're in trouble, even if you're still expected to win the series. It's still a stressful, potentially catastrophic situation. Here's the other thing. The Sixers, without Embiid for the last game, swept the Nets, but they're dealing with an injury to their star. And now they have a certain number of off days to get healthier and get fresher before they play the next series. The NBA playoffs is a month-plus long grind where you could end up playing a maximum of, what, 28 games? There could be a lot of games in there where... It's not like the NFL where you know you're you're playing three or four and then you're in the Super Bowl. But the longer this series goes against the Heat, no matter what the next opponent is, inherently the less fresh and the less rested the Bucks will be going forward, which isn't a big concern. But when you're dealing with an injury to your star, it could be, depending on the severity, depending on what he looks like tonight. Like if he yeah, comes and out tonight on- and, and, and looks hurt, it looks like the back's tightening up and, and isn't as effective. I, I will come away very concerned, win or loss. If it comes out, looks great, Bucks win by 15, I, I think all is well. I, I think tonight tells us everything, really. Yeah, there's there's a lot on the line tonight, Ben. and I, I'm stressed. I, I'm not enjoying my life, in my sports life, at the current <laughs> moment. Like, I don't, I mean, to put this on you, I don't mean to make this everyone else's problem. I woke up this morning full of dread. I had like a two-second period where I'm like, oh, I slept great. It's a nice morning. And then I remembered everything that's going on. And I was just not having a good day. This game needs to happen. And I'm stressed about it. And the Giannis injury that you just mentioned is one of the reasons why, right? The fact that they're down two to one, 
playing in Miami is the reason why this series just wasn't supposed to be this hard. And sometimes an early challenge, maybe it's not the end of the world, but like, look at the Celtics last year, Ben. They had to go seven games against the Bucks in the second round, which I think tired them out. Then they end up going seven games against the Heat in the next round, I think in part because the Bucks series went so long. And then they get to the finals and they look a little tired. I think the Celtics were better than the Warriors. And if they were rested a little bit more, maybe they win. So it all adds up. Or it's like interest. Right? It accrues as the playoffs go along. And all that fatigue and that wear and tear, it stacks up, it piles up, and it starts to affect the next game in the next series, like you said. 877-867-1670. There is a Twitter question at Ben Z. Kenny. Are the Bucks in trouble versus the Heat in this series or long-term? I still think they beat the Heat in six. And I would continue to bet on the better team playing like a better team. But the beauty of sports is that you don't just play the game on, on paper, right? Even if the Bucks are prohibitive favorites, you still have to go out there and do it. So another dud of a performance, another slop fest on the offensive end. Yes, obviously it makes their chances in the series tougher, but looking long-term, I think that's where they could be in trouble. So when I ask, are the Bucks in trouble versus the Heat or long-term, 54% say yes so far. I, I tend more towards the long-term view in terms of, again, yeah, like you said, how much exertion does it take to beat this Heat team? How much energy will they have going forward? And I guess it's a good thing that the next opponent will likely be the Knicks, who I also don't view at as very good, to be honest. Yeah. Not very put together offensively, if, if you watch the scores of those games. So maybe that's good. Maybe that's the get right series. But you got to get by the Heat first, down 2 1 on opposing court with, with a team that's, that's feeling themselves. 877 867 1670. So the Twitter question's up there at Ben Z. Kenny. Are the Bucks in trouble? Uh, let's get to the phones. Let's do this. 877-867-1670. Line one. You're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Uh, Joe from DePier. Joe, what's up, buddy? How are you? Yeah, I, I guess the Bucks are in trouble. They don't. They, I was just depressed watching the last game, just how poor the offense looked and how I didn't understand what they were doing. It was like bring the ball down, try and back them down, try and take a three-point shot. There was no movement, and I was disheartened. It's like that can't be. You watch the Golden State Warriors uh, yesterday, and they're moving the darn ball. And it's all about movement, getting that ball moving. And the Bucks, it was, it was like, is this really basketball? For those of you who's coached or played basketball, is that really what basketball looks like nowadays? That was disheartening. So I hope they're not relying too much. On, I mean, obviously, they rely a lot on Giannis. But you have two other guys who are supposed to be superstars and Drew and Middleton, and they either got to step up or they're not really what we thought they were. I don't even Thanks. Giannis's return. I appreciate the phone call, man. 877-867-1670. Grant, Giannis's return means a lot for this team. He's the best player in the world. But I'm still even with him back, I'm looking at the rest of the team. I I'm looking at Drew. I'm looking at Chris Middleton. I'm looking at Brooke Lopez. It's still about all those guys to me. In terms of taking care of the Heat and going forward for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. Giannis coming back hopefully doesn't mean, well, the Bucks now have a walking 33 points, 16 rebounds, and eight assists. Hopefully it means that Middleton and Drew are asked to do a little bit less and Brooke is asked to do a little bit less. Everyone slides back into their role, right? And in their role, they'll be more successful. So hopefully Chris Middleton plays more efficiently and Drew Holiday can maybe play a little bit more defense while still adding a little bit of offense. And 
I, I don't know. I'm not looking for Giannis to come back and save the day. I'm looking for Giannis to come back and stabilize things and make everyone comfortable and, and put everyone back in the role that they're intended to play. Oh, for the energy around him to automatically improve as well. There could be something yeah. there where this team knows that without Giannis, they're probably not going that far. I still expect them to beat the Heat without him, but in terms of title aspirations, so the return of him, that's the boost where the star comes back and everybody, I hate to say it in video game terms, but it's, it's like everyone gets, gets their energy boosted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just by his presence. Wow. I, and, you know, last week, Ben, we, we badmouthed the Sixers a little bit because the Sixers can get a little dramatic, they can get a little caught up in, in immaturity. I watched Chris Middleton on Saturday. Like, look, buddy, I, I know you're not getting a great whistle, but you still got to play basketball. Very Jason Tatum-esque. Yes. The way you don't get a call once or twice and it got in your head. And now you're playing sloppy and you're whining and you're letting it take over the game. Giannis does not do that. Now, I wish the rest of the Bucks would still hold themselves to that standard when Giannis isn't out there, but that wasn't the case on Saturday. So hopefully Giannis's return matures this team a little bit. God, we shouldn't be saying that, but here we are. <laughs> right. That's something, well, with the veteran coach and with veteran players, that's something that should be a given, which is why I, I, I sent out on Twitter about the game on Saturday and about how, I, how much of an embarrassment for lack of a better term it was, because this is not a first time through the playoffs. One seed. This is a championship team. And those games that really should never be an output from a team that's supposed to be that good and has shown it. Uh, speaking of roles, though, you mentioned Giannis's return and what it means. I hope it means less minutes for Pat Connaughton. Fewer minutes for Pat Connaughton. Hey. Can we speak on the fact that, that of everybody on the court last night, nobody, when he was on the court, was outscored more by than Pat Connaughton? And plus minus doesn't mean everything. But... You need, he was fine shooting. I don't know. It's, they're relying obviously heavily on those guys, on on Ingles and, and Connaughton and Carter. I like, in my ideal world, the bench doesn't matter. You just need the bench to hold court, hold serve. You don't need them to ignite a run, which is what they needed on Saturday. You know, for all Bucks fans that are complaining about the Heat shooting such a high percentage from three, you know, Grayson Allen hit four of seven. Pat Connaughton hit three of six. Like, their role players, for the most part, hit their threes. It's everything else, right? The three-point shooting, I, I don't know if it's been as instructive on the series as folks want to think. Like, game one, Heat hit 60%. Oh, my God. Well, they only took 25. So that total really isn't as bad as you think, right? Game two, the Bucks shot through the roof. The Heat also shot really well. And then, of course, game three, the Heat and the Bucks, like the Bucks, didn't shoot seven of 35 from three. They hit 15 threes. That's a good, healthy amount. So for all of the discourse that we've had about three-point shooting, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I don't think it's the only thing like a lot of folks want to make it out to be. Like somebody tweeted at me on Saturday. It was funny, but it's not correct. It's like these NBA playoff games are decided by which team's white guys hit the most threes. And there's like a shred of like funny truth in there that Jimmy Butler's incredible and Giannis is incredible, but really it's 40-year-old Kevin Love and Duncan, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, but again, Grayson Allen hit his threes. Pat Connaughton hit a handful of threes. Like, the Bucks have held their own. It's all the other things that have gone south. And you mentioned Pat Connaughton. Like, Pat Connaughton can't defend anyone. Right? That's he, what, he cannot defend anyone. That's the thing. That's the thing for me. When you talk about the bench unit 
And this team needs stops. The offensive side is something that is easier to control, at least in my eyes. With Giannis back, it'll be better. But it's something that, like, after last game, I don't think it can be that bad. I guess it could be that bad again. It depends how you look at it. It depends on your outlook, right? When, when people say that game one, oh, the Heat aren't going to shoot that well again. It's like they could. They just did it. They just showed you that they have the ability to do it. Would you rely on them having that great of a game again? Probably not from deep in terms of efficiency. But if a team shows you they can do something, what's to say they can't do it again? Which is kind of what the Heat did. But also the, the thing that concerns me more and the thing I, I look at more in terms of the problem with what's gone on is this team has not defended anything in the two losses. The Heat have gotten exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Which, which you mentioned it, that's how you let an eight seed, a pesky eight seed with a, a, a history of winning. Like the Heat have been a, a pretty darn good franchise. Yeah. That, that's how you let them in. And, and once they're in, th- that's when you have issues. Well, and, and most of these Heat guys played in a finals, even if it's a finals that, you know, I like to say it doesn't count. It counts, but come on. I'll confidently Look, I'll, I'll say the, it does not count. Okay, you can say it, and I'll agree for the most part. But Kyle Lowry played in an NBA Finals in 2019, and Kevin Love's played in a bunch of NBA Finals. Like, there's a lot of postseason experience on this team. Absolutely. But, Ben, your comments on the defense and the Heat getting everything they want. This Bucks team over the last couple of years has made their bones in the postseason on defense. That's what this team has been about. The Nets score a ton of points, right? And the Warriors score a ton of points. And all of these other contending teams through the years score a ton of points. The Celtics score a lot of points, but the Bucks have the number one defense with the bullet. That's their calling card. They defend. They beat you up on the offensive glass. They haven't really done those things. The defense hasn't looked good, and they haven't played physical. The Heat looked like they were playing a football game on Saturday, and the Bucks were just kind of on their heels the whole game. Chris Middleton most notably. That's what my eyes saw and told me is Chris Middleton was getting thrown around, and he didn't handle it well, and that's kind of a microcosm for the rest of the team. This team needs to be physical and play defense because that's the only way they're going to win, like they won two years ago. And that's controllable. Yes. That's totally controllable, which is what makes Saturday the the dud and the embarrassment that it was, in my opinion. 877-867-1670. Let's get back to the phones. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? Hey, Ben, you got Court out in uh, Whitewater. How you doing? What's up, Court? How are you hey, feeling today? Uh, uh, I'm not worried yet. I'm a little concerned. And uh, I want to preface this by saying... I like Coach Bud. I, when they went and got him, I thought it was the perfect coach at the right time. You know, you know, um, what's his name? Coach at San Antonio. His name just escapes my Popovich. mind. Popovich. Disciple of uh, Popovich. He's, yep. he's perfect. You know, everything. But I, I, I like Coach Bud. But <laughs> yep. But I get frustrated with him a little bit because he sometimes he just doesn't adjust. He sticks to what he's doing. Game two, it was uh, Lopez just killing him down low, killing him. They hit the threes. Don't get me wrong. But Brooke Lopez got 25 points, and the bulk of them came down low. And it's like he just totally abandoned that that uh, that part of the game uh, on Saturday. And it just sometimes I think he just doesn't adjust when he needs to adjust. Now I know that you guys have said this on this uh, program. I think it's both you guys, you and Grant, saying adjustments by coaches are overrated at times in the playoffs. But sometimes you do have to make some type of adjustments to to make things click for your team. That's just that's that's just. My feeling on it, I, like I said, I like the guy, but sometimes he can frustrate me extremely. 
The only thing is, I don't know if you can adjust for your team not playing hard enough and not playing a buttoned-up basketball game. But can't you? Don't you think that he can pull him aside? You know, he's never been an in-your-face coach. I mean, I would love to see him once on the sideline. You know, slam a clipboard down, give their attention, whatever. We know that yeah. Middleton's not going to play like defense. That. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. Middleton is there to hit the mid-range jumper and, and drill a three. Drew's trying to, trying to do all he can. Now, I know that we don't have the greatest player in the world playing right now, but I came on the show last week, and I, bet, I said, our team is deep enough to beat this Heat team, even without Giannis. It should be. And yeah. I still think we will. I still think we will. But, but it just, uh, you know, just got to do something. You got to say something or do something to shake up the team. And I know we're in the playoffs. You're playing for an NBA championship. You shouldn't have to motivate these guys. But sometimes I think you got to do something to, to, to get them ready to go. I, I don't know what it is, but they just looked awful on Saturday night. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I appreciate it, Court, as always. Um, oh, before we let you go, are, you feel fine about tonight? Giannis back. Are they winning easily? Do I feel fine? Oh, Court dropped off. No, I was going to ask Court. Well, well, also you as well. But uh, real quick, I love that take. Bud has to break a clipboard in front of him. But let's like let's be honest for a second here. In the NBA, picture yourself as an NBA coach or think about how you view the NBA. Does that work? Does a coach coming into the huddle and screaming at the players work? No. In the NBA? No, it doesn't. To, like in football. Okay, I could see it. It's a fiery sport. You get the O-line coach yelling. That's just how that's how that's the that's the aura around football. In basketball, like that's first of all, I don't think that's what the players want as a coach. No. It doesn't seem like any of the successful coaches are screaming at their players these days. And say what you want about the the state of the league, but that's just the coach's role in in basketball is different than other sports. So I don't, yeah. I don't know how effective that would be to fire them up. It's like they shouldn't need to be fired up. That's Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, guys that have won titles. They shouldn't need a coach to tell them to bring the energy. Well, they have a great chance, again, like I said, to win another title. Like that should be motivation enough. And, and I'm with you. Maybe it's a, a thing on the state of the league. I guess Ime Udoka got in some guys' faces last year, and then his you know, coaching tenure went south for reasons. Yes. So there are examples Reasons. of it, but you know, you're a fan of the Sixers, Ben. Can you imagine Doc Rivers coming into the huddle? <laughs> hey guys, you can't play with your meat. We got we gotta get out there and like no. No one's buying into that. Like most huddles, it looks like you're just complete crap. Well, there was play a... with energy, play random, run around. They know what the deal is. He had a good huddle, and the closest he got to pumping them up was just yelling, Come on, guys. Yeah, but it wasn't. He wasn't yelling. He was just like, "Yo, like, what are we doing here?" Which I, yeah, Bud could do, but Bud's not playing the game. Bud's not the one getting out rebounded and outscored in the paint and getting beaten. I'm just gonna. This is the last thing I'll say on this on adjustments. Maybe adjustments overrated. Maybe that's a little reductive to say. But now everyone's talking about drop coverage. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't like being lectured on drop coverage by people who refused to talk bucks for the first five months of the season. And now we're into the playoffs and they, this drop coverage, it's not, you can't calm down. Like their drop coverage is really successful. The problem is they don't have Giannis. So Brooks covered more ground and that's difficult. And I don't think it's the coverage itself. I think it's a foot here or six inches here. It's just executing the coverages that they have a little bit better with a little bit more aggression. I don't think sea changes 
what's needed. I think it's a little more aggression and an extra little bit of a closeout here, right? An extra reach here. That's going to be the difference, not some whole change adjustment that changes the scheme entirely. 877-867-1670. If you want to get a hold of the show, do it. Reacting to the Bucks' loss to the Heat Saturday, a disappointment to say the least. And we will talk NFL draft coming up at 11. A, a lot more coming up today. We can take your calls when we come back, though. Concern about the Bucks. Twitter question at Ben Z. Kenny up right now. Uh, are the Bucks in trouble, whether it's versus the Heat or long term? 62.3% say no. Giannis seems to be back tonight based on reports. So that quells all of the concerns there. Still 30% are somewhat concerned about the Bucks being in trouble. I am. There is an inkling of concern. It's more of the long term. It's more of looking at the rest of the playoffs. But we'll take your calls when we come back and get back into the conversation. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday. Again, it is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills with you today. Bill will be back on Wednesday leading up to the NFL draft, leading up to hopefully an Aaron Rodgers trade and some clarity and some end on the now 42-day wait we have had since he first said he would like to, intends to play for the Jets. 877-867-1670. We are also reacting to the Bucks' loss to the Heat on Saturday, trailing 2-1 in the series. A disappointing performance, to say the least. A 121-99 loss. The Twitter question up at Ben Z. Kenny. Are the Bucks in trouble? Whether it's against the Heat, coming up tonight and for the rest of the series, or if it is long-term, uh, all indications are that Giannis will be back tonight, which makes... Both myself, I'm sure others, as well as Vegas, quite confident that the Bucks will get it done. Uh, but Grant, they, they they come out in game four. They win this game. Everything's fine, right? They look great. Are, are we just going through the nonstop waves of the playoffs where they lose one, it's over. They win one, they're winning the title. They lose one, it's over. And then Giannis comes back and, and they win and we're back? Is that what's at stake? That's, that's the hope. Yeah, that's what I hope. Like, I'm not going to blame anyone who's really worried. They're down two to one to a Heat team that looks really confident, and we're not sure how healthy Giannis is. Right? Like, that's cause for concern. So I'm not going to tell anyone that they shouldn't be worried or shouldn't be concerned. Right? I'm also going to not make fun of people or tell people they're wrong if they're like, Giannis is coming back. Right? Two of the next four in Milwaukee, they're still the better team. Yes, that's also true, right? That is 100%. They're the much better team with the best player, and they have home court advantage, but they're also down 2-1. Like, come on, you got to be concerned about that at least a little bit. So I, I think the truth is right in the middle, 100%, and these waves of emotions that we're getting from Bucks fans is totally just the ups and downs of the playoffs, 100%. I think the Bucks beat the Heat in six. I still do, even after Probably. Saturday's game. And I tweeted, I while it wasn't a somewhat embarrassment, I don't think it will mean everything in the long run when they beat the Heat in six. And when Giannis returns and they're back to full strength, but looking ahead, there's something to be said about consistency. 
and maybe the lack thereof at the moment with the team, where when they're faced with the top of the league formidable foe, how do they respond? 877-867-1670. So that's coming up tonight. Bucks Heat, 630 TNT. Bucks seven-point favorites, the over-under, sitting at 217.5. Seven is a lot of points on the road. It is. To note that before we move on to some Rodgers updates. They were two-and-a-half-point favorites without Giannis last night or Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And now it's up to seven. That's Vegas saying, yes, Giannis makes a big difference, but that's also Vegas saying the Heat aren't that good, right? If the Heat were decent, this line would be a lot closer, even with Giannis coming back, right? Because we're not sure about Giannis and the Heat are playing really well, but that's Vegas saying, yes, Giannis has returned, but also the Heat aren't that good. Are you worried at all with his return about his effectiveness? Yeah, I'm worried about everything. Stop asking me if I'm worried. I'm worried about absolutely everything, and I'm having a terrible day. I'm putting on a nice face to do this show and get through my work day, but I am a kidney stone of concern sitting behind this microphone right now. I'm not enjoying this. Yes, I'm worried. Bad visual. I know. Yeah, it's the back, which is, uh, as somebody who's currently, uh, again, to compare myself to professional athletes, as someone who's currently dealing with some back issues, some spasms, of some sorts, I, I can confirm it is hard to do your job while dealing with back problems. Oh, I when I listened to you on the morning show this morning, I thought you were saying the golf game is back in a good way. Or were you saying the back is is hurting your golf game? No, the golf game is back, but oh, okay. the result of walking 18 holes yesterday in 32-degree weather means a very tight and stiff back, yeah, yeah. which doesn't mean great things for being able to go about the day if you think it's hard you know hosting a radio show with a bad back imagine boxing out bam out of bio and trying to get a rebound and trying to score when kevin love undercuts you right underneath the rim (laughs) yeah imagine playing this is why i'm worried imagine playing against a team without real big men you don't think bam is the real big man he's fine he's good wow would you well nobody cares i I just i i watched the Sixers series and i was really impressed by Nick Claxton. There's a sure. lot of noise around him this year, but I, the way he actually hung in there with Joel Embiid and played really well. Now there's a big man. I think Bam is fine. I, I think we do this thing in the NBA where there's so many good players, and I hear a lot. Oh, Bam is underrated. We don't talk about Bam enough. It's like, well, he's not Giannis. He's not Embiid. He wasn't Kevin Durant when he was in the. Okay, so if we don't talk about him fairly enough as the tenth best player in the East, all right, you're right. We don't talk about him enough, but. For the most part, I'm with you on Bam and, and the Heat's lack of a big man. Cody Zeller, though. Don't sleep on Cody Zeller. Oh, big, God. big 10 guy. Give me a break. Uh, uh, also, the underrated discussions just inherently make players overrated because the discussions become large arguments, which then yeah. means they're talked about too much. You know what? No one ever says. <laughs> this player is perfectly rated, and we discuss <laughs> him very accurately. No one has ever said that in the history of sports. Good point. 877-867-1670. Thoughts on, thoughts on the Bucks game tonight with Giannis coming back? Is everything going to be okay? Is there concern? I'm going to take your calls on that. 877-867-1670. We do, Grant, however, yeah. have Aaron Rodgers news adjacent. Okay. I'm not going to call it a, a sweeping headline that's going to completely dominate a show today, but Ian Rappaport yesterday puts out, that the Jets and Packers, after weeks of of stagnation, have re-engaged in trade talks. Meaning, 
with the with the draft coming up on Thursday, with that being the deadline, we figure for the deal to get done or Friday, the second round, they are officially talking. They're back in the talking stage. You know, there was some ghosting going on. They're yeah. back to cordially talking with no end in sight. How great is this? We live in actual football hell. It's gonna go. It's gonna go down on draft night. I saw our friend Eric. Well, he's been on the Bill Michael Show. I'll say our friend uh, Eric Eager from Sumer Sports tweet last night. You know, Aaron Rodgers made the draft about him in 2021. Why wouldn't he do it again? And I wanted to sarcastically respond and say, uh, "Eric, the media did that. Thank you very much." But then I was worried that he would think I was serious. <laughs> I didn't want that. But this is. You know, Rodgers is going to take a lot of the attention and the heat, but the Jets and the Packers, I guess, really haven't shown much motivation to do this the last few weeks, right? The, mo- the motivation is the deadline. Deadline spur action, they say, Ben Kenny. My roommate in college also gave me this piece of advice that I'll use the rest of my life. If you wait until the last minute, it will only take a minute. And as a <laughs> massive procrastinator, that is a school of thought I That's good. subscribe to. And if they wait until the last minute, then this Rodgers trade will only take a minute. So deadlines make things happen. That's probably what we're dealing with. Sure. Minus the things that are better not done in one minute. Uh, You also had Peter King saying in his column today or yesterday that he won't be concerned about it not getting done until Friday. That until the second round of the draft comes, there is not concern on his end about the trade until Friday passes, which I tend to agree with. I guess... What what the Rappaport note sparked in my mind, it's like, I okay, we're in draft week. But it's kind of just Aaron Rodgers week, if we're being honest, at least around here. That's the story, even though I'm somewhat more fascinated by who they pick at 15 than what the return on Rodgers is. I was wondering, though, like, yeah, Friday could be the deadline. That could be the day of that's when the picks have to be dealt for the Packers to get the second round pick. But tell me this. I was thinking about this this morning. If if Goody waits until Friday and doesn't know until that day if the Jets accept the offer or if you'll get the 42nd or 43rd pick, does that not affect how he goes about the first round? Does that not affect what they do at 15? Because if you know you have two second-round picks coming up, I would assume that would change the, the strategy, the calculus. Of the pick at number 15. Maybe. You'd have to be pretty darn sure about what's coming in the second round, right? You'd have to have a deal in principle basically figured out, I think, to operate with that level of confidence. And I think the Packers, once upon a time, thought they had a deal figured out, which is maybe why this deal didn't get done, is the Jets kind of welched a little bit on it. At least that's what was reported. I also think topics like this, and Ben, you might agree, I think topics like this are a little bit overblown. Like, I, I was listening to another show last week, another station, a competitor, and they were talking about the Jamison Williams suspension. Does this impact how the Lions use their first-round pick? I think normally the answer to questions like this is no, because if there's a player a team really likes and ranks highly, it's a player that they're probably destined to take anyways. They probably should take that player anyways. But having two second-round picks might change, for example, how they approach the tight end position, position we talked about that's, last week. That's, that's the what piece. we should talk about. That's the piece because it's very specific to the Packers, but they need to, they need to tight ends in the draft. 
everybody is discussing how great of a tight end draft it is and how deep it is. But if you know you have two second-round picks, not only for the fact of taking two players there, but having, say, the ammunition, Gudikins loves trading up in the top 100 to trade up in the second round if you see your tight end there. And that would then lead to them not taking one in the first round, which I don't want them to do. I think it would help their strategy, obviously, to have more picks, but to know exactly what their plan could be given tight end in the second round, whether a guy's falling, whether they need to take one. So that leads me to think, okay, if you're Gudikins, at least in my opinion, and he'll speak to the media at 3.30. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll preview it coming up a little later in the show. But if I'm him, I would want to get this done by Thursday to at least know entering my first pick. Let's say they trade down with the first pick and get more ammunition back. Just knowing whether you have an extra second-round pick, which is a quality pick and is a great place to address the needs they have, I would feel like that's important. For the Jets, it's not because they're trading the second-round pick for Rodgers. It's not like he's showing up on Friday. But for the Packers, I think it would be. Well, it's easier to budget your money one week when you know how much money you're also going to make next week, right? Like if you get a paycheck, you make a budget. It's easier to make that budget if you also know what your next paycheck is going to be, right? And it's the same with drafting. If they have a strategy for the first round, it's a lot easier to go about the first round if you know what the second round is going to look like. I I think Brian Gutekunst is more likely to let a player go by in the first round knowing that he has two second-round picks to use to trade up to get X player high in the second round. That seems to be his MO. That's what he did last year, right? They let Christian Watson go twice in the first round because I think he knew, well, we'll just jump up and get him. Maybe this draft is very similar. Maybe they let a player go by that they really love, knowing that on day two they can package the Aaron Rodgers pick and their second-round pick to jump up and get him. I think that's probably the most likely scenario because that fits the MO of what we've seen Goody do in the past. And it's one I think everybody should get behind. If, say, Christian Watson, that was a hit. Let's say that player this time is Darnell Washington or a tight end everybody loves. Yes, you're giving up picks to do it, but you're getting a guy that seems to have a much higher hit rate than when they reach like crazy on some of the players they have reached on, whether it's the first rounder or in the second. 877-867-1670. I want Goody to get this done by Thursday. That's where I'm going to come out on all this. I would prefer, and and I'm not going to try to go into the draft room and, and criticize them after the fact if, if it's done on Friday, but my ideal scenario as an outsider to the draft room and viewing all of the stories that come out in their approach is I want this done by Thursday. I want a very clear outlook of what the picks look like. Not to mention... In my very selfish point of view, I would like to talk about it on Thursday. Yes. Before the draft. And then on Friday. I don't want this trade happening at 4 o'clock on Friday. I definitely don't want that happening. As someone who goes on air at 4 o'clock, I definitely (laughs) don't want it happening at 4 o'clock on Friday. The media begins with me, Ben. We're allowed to be selfish about this stuff. There's a me and an I. 877-867-1670. That being the Rogers update as we enter draft slash Aaron Rodgers week. I also, there. so there's a lot written now about the Rodgers trade and how it all impacts both the Packers and the Jets' plans. This from Rob Domofsky, read this this morning. The sticking point 
I've heard discussions about whether Gudikins is still trying to get number 13, whether it's a disappointment if he doesn't get both seconds. All indications are that neither of those are going to happen. Damoski writes in a piece on ESPN, the issue holding it up seems to be what to do if Rodgers doesn't play beyond the 2023 season for the Jets. The Jets could be reluctant to include a future first-round pick without knowing that Rodgers is committed for more than one season. We've all known this, or at least assumed it. There also could be the issue of how much, if any, Rodgers' contract the Packers are willing to pay. All indications to that article and what I've read is that we're talking about a second this year, hence the thought of getting the trade done on Thursday. Something in the future, whether it's a conditional one or a conditional two based on playing time, and then if Rodgers retires after 2023, maybe the Packers throw a fifth-round pick back in the future. But we're really talking about two twos, maybe a two, and then a future one if the Jets achieve a certain baseline. That feels like where we've been for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we got a tweet here that says, has anyone ever been right predicting the draft beyond the first five? There are too many variables to even predict, and this seems like a pointless convo. First of all, I, I mean, I agree. It's a fun convo, though. It's fun to break these things down. Right? Like you can talk about the draft endlessly. There are folks, you know, Mel Kuyper's at the top, but there's a lot of just sports fans, Ben, that we talk to and callers and, and fans that we meet. The draft is their favorite thing. This is what they love more than games. They love the game of trying to figure out which players are going to hit and which are going to miss. I got to say, out of all the great television products that we have in our sporting world, not, not many beat Friday of the NFL draft. You like Friday more? Thursday is too, there's so much time and too few picks and a lot of not drafting, right? Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of BS that goes on, a lot of pageantry, first night of the draft, and it's 32 picks in, in what, four hours, five hours? Friday is two rounds, and it goes faster. A lot of the players you still know, it's really just all focused on on the football. You figure most of the people watching Friday actually care a lot more and aren't just there for the headline. I love Friday. Then you get into Saturday, like rounds four through seven. Kind of gets tough, clearly, because nobody knows any of the players. But it's so not Thursday as if, night is for casuals. Friday is for guys that know ball. I guess. Um, I'm not going to say that we are breaking down the draft either. I, I think this is a an approach. If we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the general manager, what would what situation would we want to be in? And that is to me, knowing the pick outlook, having the two seconds, knowing that if I don't take a guy at 15, I would have a better chance of going up to get him, like you mentioned with Christian Watson, going into the future. I don't know if it's realistic because it depends on whether – Gutekinds and Douglas can can get the trade done, which could be some uh, some succession analogies to be drawn here. Dude, speaking of succession, I don't want to bring this up, but Tucker Carlson has parted ways with Fox. Don <laughs> Lemon was laid off by CNN this morning. He tweeted it five minutes ago. This is actually insane. Like, this is succession. Not to completely derail what we were talking about, but you brought up succession. Yeah, that's This is a, nuts. That's an effective way of... Of throwing politics right into the show. Well, I mean, it's what it is is it's the insane world of these cable, like, cable news. talk networks. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. 
I don't care about the politics side, but some of the biggest names are just jumping ship. It'd be like, all right, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady all of a sudden are on different teams out of nowhere. Wild. 877-867-1670. We will not take calls on thoughts on the shakeups in cable news. But what what should Goody's approach uh, to this week be? What should his approach to the Rodgers trade be? I was thinking about succession, and, and not to do spoilers of the episode last night, but the inkling of uh, trying to tank deals, like how how to negotiate, and the yeah. negotiating tactics used last night by certain characters, I yeah. think would be hilarious comedy if they actually Which- became Gudikins versus Joe Douglas. By the way, if you've never watched Succession or you're not caught up, it's basically the whole show. The whole show is episodes leading up to deals, episodes about the deal, and then the episodes following the deal, whether it happened or not. That's the entire show. And the chaos of cable news. (laughs) Yeah, well, that too. 877-867-1670. I liked the episode last night, though. I I thought it was genuinely hilarious. But in, I I mean, purposefully, but it's not as if people say things in the show and then other people laugh. You're just laughing at the, at the wittiness and the stupidity of the writing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. 877-867-1670. So we'll take your calls on the draft. Also Giannis looking to be back for the bucks tonight. Talking about that as well. When we come back, I want to talk about the latest round of mock drafts. Where do the plugged in people have the Packers going with number 15 and could there be another strategy that we would employ when it comes to the 15th pick? We'll talk about that next. It's the Bill Michaels show, Ben Kenny and Grant Bills here with you today. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.